The Punisher Season 2, Episode 11, The Abyss. Welcome back, fellow Defenders. This is Defenders TV Podcast, Episode 217, and we are talking about The Punisher, Season 2, Episode 11, The Abyss. Hello, I am one of your hosts, John. And I'm one of your hosts, Derek. Chris, unfortunately, isn't joining us for this one. No, that is true. Unfortunately, Chris cannot make uh, this episode of the podcast. But we are here, and we will be bringing you The Abyss. Yes, I wanted to shout Robin like Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio, um, for sure, because she was in The Abyss. She is uh, CIA director Marion, mm-hmm. and there is Maid Marion as well, uh, <laughs> from Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Um, I think, yes, all of them are seminal moments in my childhood. I think I really disliked The Abyss. Um, I didn't kind of get it. Right, uh, I absolutely time. adored Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. And, of course, the Punisher um, then is the thing that connects these two because of Marion, the CIA director. But anyway, enough of my uh, seven degrees of separation and ramblings about this. This is our spoiler-filled review of The Abyss, which is episode 11 in season two of The Punisher. And, of course, yes, uh, you can get in contact with us over at our Facebook group. You just head on over to facebook.com forward slash groups, forward slash Defenders TV podcast. And you can leave any feedback or thoughts or discussions about this episode of The Punisher. Yes, we are going on a little bit of break after we've recorded this episode. We'll be on a break in recording terms for about a week. We'll still be putting out two episodes a week. Tuesday and Friday is when we usually put the episodes out. Uh, But we will put up spoiler posts so you'll be able to leave your thoughts for the last two episodes of the season of Punisher before we record them we're going to have a good break so you'll be able to put your thoughts in for the last couple of episodes and for the punisher as a whole so if you do want to send us any feedback at all just email us at feedback at defenders podcast.com it can be about anything it can be about the upcoming marvel movies or any of the episodes of punisher so far this season uh, we've really enjoyed hearing your thoughts about the episodes and always enjoy hearing from our fellow defenders yes absolutely and voicemails especially uh, are great to receive to really uh, bring you on board this audio podcast uh, but on with our spoiler filled review derek what are some of the episode details well the episode was written by laura jean leal it's the first time writer on the punisher but she was a long-term writing assistant uh, during season one uh, the episode was directed by mira menon uh, also a first episode of the punisher that mira has directed uh, she has been involved with other series such as the wonderful walking dead fear the walking dead and glow a great time for me to promote my little guest spot of the Walking Dead cast is back with Walking Dead Season 9, uh, the part two starting just last week. Uh, I have my little comic spot uh, over on the Walking Dead cast with my good friend Lucy Hinney. So uh, come and join us over there if you want to hear some more of me talking comics. But great to have this director on board from Walking Dead, for the Walking Dead and Glow, three of my favorite shows. Yeah, really good. Um, and yes, Derek sounds phenomenally good uh, <laughs> over on the Walking Dead cast. I still edit that bit as well. So that's why I sound so good. <laughs> John, do you want to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis for the episode? Sure. 
Arrested and in a critical condition, Frank Castle is under armed guard by the NYPD at a hospital following the killing of three women during the assault on Valhalla by Frank and Curtis. Meanwhile, in his hotel room, the Pilgrim, still recovering from his own injuries, receives some crushing news from Eliza Schultz that renews his sense of purpose in his crusade against Frank. In his hospital bed, defenceless and still with a $5 million bounty on his head, Frank is visited by three women, Karen Page, the lawyer, Dina Madani, the investigator, and Amy, the rescuer. While Karen calls in a favour at the hospital morgue and Madani examines the three prostitutes, Amy puts her fire alarm plan into action to free Frank and rescue him from the pilgrim who has arrived at the hospital to get the job done. While Frank evades the pilgrim, his escape is thwarted by Detective Mahoney. Welcome back, Karen Page. Really good to see Karen back in this show. We actually knew way before The Punisher was coming out, I think it was the only spoiler I knew about the series, really, that Karen Page was going to appear in here. Sadly, it was because when the announcement came in that Daredevil Season 3 was the last season, um, the actress Deborah Ann Wall was saying the final time she'll get to play the character of Karen Page was going to be in The Punisher. So she was looking forward to everybody seeing her in this role. And they used her really well in here. Definitely. It was really good to see Karen Page back. Um, it, and it's it's nice to have that closure, mm-hmm. I think, f- with her in The Punisher, given how kind of central she was, that sounding board in season one for Frank Castle. Yeah. So really nice to see her in this episode, for Absolutely. sure. Absolutely. Let's get into our bullet points, though, John. Uh, first bullet point is Curtis returning to Amy. After that attack on Valhalla by Curtis and Frank last episode, we saw Curtis realizing that he'd killed a guy for the first time, a man who's brought up as a healer, uh, who's gone through the army healing people, and he, because of the actions of Frank, has now killed another another human, uh, something that really doesn't sit very well with him. I'm quite interested in this scene, really, because it is the first time you see Curtis kind of standing up and going, I can't be involved in this anymore. No matter what I try and do, I still end off killing people, and it's only because of Frank. He tries to get Amy out. He calls himself completely out now, uh, putting the blame on Frank, and he's trying to get Amy to walk away as well. Uh, I think it's really interesting. Yeah, I mean, in many ways, he gets the right thing from Amy in that she does walk away, but she walks away to rescue Frank. Mm. She walks away to rescue Frank. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, she still has a lot of loyalty to Frank, I think, because of him saving her. And I suppose here, uh, Curtis is coming at it from a different angle. He's seeing him as saving Frank, being, in effect, maybe a little bit of a patsy to Frank. But ultimately, it is that guilt uh, of what he did on the rooftop when Frank attacked Valhalla, the Mm -hmm. club, or the the base. Um, And... You know, in self-defense, he had to fire. He did his best to just do a wound, but seemingly hit a main artery or something. So, you know, Curtis is broken here. um, And I think here he really does sort of genuinely put himself right out of the picture here. I think ultimately his comments uh, really just spur Amy, though, to go and actually rescue Frank Mm. uh, after she's here's exactly where he is uh, on a radio report yeah and she knows he's in hospital obviously she knows that the uh, that he's alive she knows that the ambulance men have been have taken him away because of what curtis says to her i just think it's probably quite telling that curtis never shows up at the hospital we'll talk about the hospital scene obviously everybody seems to, <laughs> to show up at the hospital but it feels like because curtis doesn't arrive this could be the last time we see him in the show this could be the last time we see him 
in this role. He kind of played this part and he feels like he's being sucked into this. We may see a scene at the end of the series where now that everything's worked out and everything's back to normal, he says goodbye kind of thing. But I feel like he's no longer going to be a person who has Frank's back anymore. It's what it kind of feels like. He's, he's out unless somebody can really convince him otherwise. I think he doesn't want Frank turning up on his door uh, saying, heal my wounds again, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think it's really funny how quickly it changes you know to think that they had that really nice conversation on top of the rooftop whilst Mm -hmm. they were scouting valhalla and then because of how it went down um he's kind of like i have to get out of this yeah i've left the army and i certainly don't want to be a murderer um on the streets of new york which is ultimately what he's become and so you know his sense of reality is a damn sight more uh, real than Frank's, you know? And so important um, when so. you have two characters like Man in Black going around killing everybody in his, in his sights, Punisher killing everybody in his sights, Billy killing everybody in his sights, not really caring about who they kill. Um, it's so important to have a person like Curtis who makes one kill and it weighs so heavily on them. Uh, similar to Amy shooting a guy, not killing him, but her reaction to that, having someone like Curtis also have a similar reaction. It just shows a bit more realism in what would happen if a person is dragged into this big fight, I suppose, between all these people. Um, John, do you want to take us on to bullet point two? Sure, yeah. Bullet point two, Dumont reveals her history. Oh, finally. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think this was really good. And again, it's just one of those things I wish kind of had arrived a little earlier uh, in this series. You know, Billy is intrigued by these initials in um, his file um, and is wondering who is this person? Um, the initials are KM, and it turns out that it's Chris's father. And again, this is where the folded US Stars and Stripes flag uh, above the, the fireplace. Uh, it's her father. He was a military man as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and... In the file, she is basically saying that Billy is like this person, KM. Um, And in the end, what we have here is this moment where um, Billy reminds her of her father and what he went through coming back from another tour of duty in another war at a different time. And of course, she was only a child. She had no training. uh, And there maybe wasn't the support structures in place for those returning from war at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and ultimately, her father uh, tried to kill her when the parents separated. He didn't want um, his wife or his former wife to take Krista away from him. And so all her scars, these huge scars that you see on her legs, on her spine, on her back, are the result of being dragged out of the window with him as he falls to his death mm-hmm. um, hoping to kill the both of them but she survives and uh, seeing her dead father so this is really tragic actually yeah um, but you know this is her motivation she sees it in billy and she wants to save him it, it kind of expresses quite a lot about their relationship as to why she has put her career on the line and um, you know it explains the vertigo why she is afraid of windows and yeah. has that kind of vertigo moment and it explains the scars so i'm really glad that we've gotten this moment here and i'm really glad that the writers through billy russo challenged dr krista demont to reveal her history 
Definitely, yeah. It, I, again, it is something that has been playing on our minds for a while. She said, I fell, and that's how I got the scars early on in the season, you know. Um, it is nice to finally get this explanation from Krista about her history. And it is very tragic, you know, that concept of a father who loves her so much he's not willing to let her live with her mother kind of thing um, is how he would have treated it but he was mentally ill she doesn't seem to have any blame for her father for doing it she just kind of casually says he died I lived but I had to go through a lot of uh, a loss to get myself back on my feet and um, I think it was quite interesting the conversation with Billy itself he's very reactionary to her where he says you know who are who's KM he's shouting at her who is KM who are these initials that were in my file did you love him as well as if he's challenging her to say to him oh, it's another former lover of mine. I do this with all of my patients kind of thing. Um, but it turns out to be much more important um, to Dumont and where, how she got into the career in the first place, really. So I think it's a really good backstory for her. Yeah, and I'm really pleased that it is more than simply, mm. you know, she has slept around a number of her other patients previously. Uh, I'm really Absolutely. pleased that it's that and it's not just gone down some kind of fairly shallow trope, uh, to be honest. Um, I also think it's really good for... You know, this connection in with the military service that yeah. we we got in season one and, and maybe to a bit of a lesser extent we've gotten uh, here in season two, or at least it's been continued through. Yeah. Uh, and it's nice to have this uh, moment because, you know, you think back to the young army dude trying to be helped by Curtis uh, and, you know, Curtis that's a part-time job. He's not a psychiatrist. He's not a psychologist. He is a volunteer. Um, here, she is a professional. She can help in a additional way to um, the the circle of trust. You know, she she can add to that. Um, and I, I think you you think of the young kid and what he could have done if he'd also had. Um, Dr. Dumont's input, uh, he, you know, even with Jake, you know, Jake ultimately has survived all of this. Mm. Um, probably in hospital, though. Probably in hospital, yeah. absolutely. But you have heard the veterans uh, with Curtis saying, did you see what happened to Jake? So he's still, he's still there. And I think maybe through the combination of Curtis and Dr. Dumont, he has kind of pulled back through the... Well, and probably the violence of uh, Frank Castle as well. But yeah, yeah it, it's it's nice that they've had this uh, moment um, to really have that connection in as well. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. And it's very necessary for the character. I know we've been commenting on, you know, how far she's been pushing, you know, that she's almost like the Bonnie to his Clyde. Um, she's almost like his second in command, the person that's trying to push him to do these things so that they can get away and go on the run, you know. Um, so it's nice to have a really good interesting backstory for her as to why it's so important to her that she saves billy that it's another opportunity in her mind to save her father almost you know uh, i think that's really important well i mean there is that moment where they do talk about just leaving uh, and going on the road somewhere else mm -hmm. um, and i'm just wondering is that really going to happen you know are the next two episodes the final two uh, are they really going to be focusing more on the pilgrim and that storyline is this kind of also the end of billy russo you know and dr dumont's story that they are kind of as you say that bonnie and clyde moment mm -hmm. where they're on the run from the law because she is now 
tied to Billy Russo. Uh, it, you know, it's not necessarily the fact that Billy Russo will get taken down by Frank Castle here, but I, I was just interested that they did kind of talk about that. I, I kind of suspect that they haven't gone on, on the run no, no. on the road, but in some ways, part of me feels it could be just a nice kind of ending. Yeah. Yeah, it would, it would explain a lot. I'm sure they would actually show something more definitive if they were going in the road. But I know what you mean. It could be it could be that moment. That could be the start of the next episode. They're getting in the car and off they go, you know. Uh, they could easily end their story there and leave it for a season three, potentially. Uh, take Billy off the table. Yeah. No, definitely. Um, but on to bullet point number three. Uh, Madani sees the crime scene. Yes. Yeah, I thought this was really interesting, just purely because Mahoney is effectively only showing Madani the crime scene to kind of blame her for it. Um, I think this is this is kind of his yeah. focus is to go, and look what you did, Madani, because you brought Castle back to this city. Look how many people are dead. He talks her through it, and he doesn't hold back in the fact that Frank did come through and did kill people that were wearing masks, just like Billy did. So he's obviously done some good, in a way. And Mahoney's going, I accept that he obviously was attacked and went through numerous men and took them all out and killed them all. I accept all of that, but look what the outcome was. When he went through all these men, he wasn't minding himself and he killed three innocent women. And there is nothing that Madani can say to him that would justify it. There's absolutely nothing that can be said to Mahoney to excuse the fact that Frank has now killed three innocents. And I think that's a really powerful statement coming across from Mahoney. Definitely. Madani's not willing to believe that Frank did it because she knows Frank intimately. She knows his modus operandi. She knows that's not something that he would do. So that's what makes the whole conversation between the two of them so interesting. Because Mahoney's going, you think you do, but when the situation happens, this is what actually goes down. Yeah. And actually, I think Mahoney is the moral compass here and is the moral center for this. Madani certainly has moved away from being that from season one, because in some respects, yes, uh, Mahoney is talking that, you know, uh, Frank has killed three innocent women here. Mm -hmm. But obviously what we learn later, we know that that's not the case, but it doesn't really ultimately matter because of this turf war this pride war that involves guns and not law and law enforcement Mm -hmm. then it ends up with people dead even former veterans you know yes billy recruited them yes they've done dreadful stuff but in the end none of them have received justice and I, i think this is kind of the interesting change in frank castle is that season one it was about disfiguring him, scarring Billy Russo so that he lived with um, what he had done. He felt that guilt. He felt that pain. Mm. Um, This season, it is and has been more about Frank effectively putting down the people that he feels needs to be put down. Um, Unless there's been some kind of... Uh, restraining comment from either Amy, Curtis, or Madani mm. uh, along the way. He has been that more brutal, in my eyes, unjustified um, kind of approach to what he did in, in, in season one. So mm-hmm. I think the great thing that happens here and what Mahoney does is that ultimately the mess is still the mess, even though things change as to what that mess is as this episode goes on. And I think it's really good that he takes Madani here because she has moved 
from being the Mahoney-type figure um, from season one. Yeah, and so much has happened to that character, obviously, since since season one, since she was a person working for Homeland in a very high position, trying to get retribution for what happened to her former partner. Um, so much has gone down since then that have changed her as a person. And that, I suppose, is one of the questions, perhaps, that the writers were trying to pose during this season was... There was a chance early on this season that Mahoney could have swooped in with the police officers taking down Billy and his gang. Madani did give them that information, and if Frank hadn't gone in all guns blazing to kill these guys, perhaps Mahoney and his men could have caught them, or at the very worst, it could have been a shootout between police officers and Billy and his gang. And I'm guaranteeing if any police officers died in New York City, that gang would not get very far. I don't care how pretty Billy is. Himself and his gang would not be getting very far if they'd gunned down a police officer in New York. So that seems to have been part of the conversation that was going going on throughout these episodes. I'm glad it's being brought up again by Mahoney here. I'm wondering if the outcome for this, and we'll talk just slightly about uh, what Madani learns i suppose here uh, but madani does learn at the current coroner's office that as she suspected and as we talked about actually last episode um frank is not the one that killed these girls the angle was wrong there's no way he could have shot the bullets upwards from the ground into this office killing all three of the women the bodies all have marks on them showing the gun was up close killing all three of them individually so they were definitely killed by billy or or some of his men we find out from billy it was him that killed them, killed each of them um but what I wonder is, is the outcome of this for Frank that he does become more planning orientated and less walking into a room with an Uzi 9mm and shooting 600 bullets into a room to kill everybody in there and then let God sort them out, I suppose, as the old phrase went. Um, I wonder if that's what will be inflicted on Frank here is plan better so you never get yourself into this situation again. Well, he certainly does need to... Um reinstigate the planning for mm-hmm. sure i mean i think what i really like here is that madonna gets this special access to frank from mahoney mm-hmm. because even at the crime scene she's saying to mahoney well i still it doesn't feel like frank and so mahoney kind of gives her that professional courtesy to to go and see if she can glean any more information that may even persuade him otherwise yeah um, and i think that's really good i think for me though I am slightly, I suppose, disappointed Uh that it wasn't Frank that actually shot them. I think going to the trouble to bring Madani to her house, to uh, to Dr. DeMont's house, uh, with all the risk that that has, in order to get the information so that she can turn to Billy Russo and say, I know how to destroy Frank Castle. Mm Mm-hmm. And then to set it up in a way that the evidence ultimately will always say, in a court of law, probably, uh, that it couldn't have been Frank from the angle of being (laughs) downstairs in the warehouse, firing up at that kind of office uh, suspended, you know, on a mezzanine. And I'm kind of like going... Even if they had just lined the women up against the windows, that Frank firing up, all the windows were taken out. I presume it was almost like a prefab, so the bullets would have gone through uh, the walls anyway. Uh, so I just wish that that had happened, really, because I think that would have been really interesting to explore how Frank dealt with that. I think it would have made it even more justified or even more poignant that he then plan stuff because now it's just like well i've got to plan it so i don't get caught 
uh, rather than because I'm killing innocent people. So well, I don't know. There's part of me that's slightly disappointed that this wasn't an actual thing. Um, okay. But nonetheless, that's it's just how I feel. Yeah, no, I, I know what you mean. And I think it's still weighing on Frank as if he had done it because he could have, I suppose, is is what we see even right at the end of the episode. In the final moments, we still see Frank kind of pushing against this idea of being released from hospital. Um, you see him, everybody else having to take charge of Frank and get him out of there because he just feels, yes, I know this time, perhaps I'm not at fault, but I absolutely could have been. I was in a blind rage. I was shooting bullets randomly into into walls and windows because that's the way I was being led. And any yeah. other chance, you know, there could have been kids in that room. That could have been the, the nursery, you know. He could have killed kids in there. He could have killed these women in there. Absolutely believable. But you're right, there's no chance he would have gone to prison for this. This absolutely wouldn't have led to a court case. All it would have led to is him going into into prison and getting maybe shot to death by the by a hired hitman who's looking for that $5 million, you know? That's all it would have led to. But yes, exactly like you're saying, John, I agree with you. This wouldn't have broken Frank like the conversation between DeMont and Billy seemed to be saying that that's what they were going to do, was break Frank, because he didn't kill anybody. He'd find that out pretty quickly. It would make him replan and make sure he doesn't do anything stupid in future, but it wouldn't break him. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that's my kind of feeling. I, I just felt it was a little off kilter. Yeah. Uh, but I do like how um, Madani gets into the morgue. You know, Karen pulls this favor from the, the <laughs> morgue assistant. Um, creepy and, Ed, John. Yeah, creepy Ed. And to be honest, it really is creepy because there is that moment where you think, okay, is this sexual favours? Uh-huh. Um, and you're just kind of like, going, oh, Karen, what are you doing? Uh, oh, but, you see it on Madani's face as yeah, well. She's like, I'm, I don't really need that. I can just yeah, go and get my badge and come exactly. back here. You know? But I do think um, then seeing him with uh, Karen Page's uh, high heels on later on <laughs> is just really, really good. Because, yeah, Karen suddenly barefooted and we were like what on earth and then you see him pushing one of the gurneys through the corridor as the fire alarm that amy has set off um, and he's uh walking tall and proud with uh karen's high heels on really Uh, good i was wondering was it a a quentin tarantino reference because she was barefoot or a a joss whedon reference because they always have women barefoot in their movies and tv shows so i was just wondering you know is this a reference that we're no it's not it's just a really creepy favorite (laughs) (laughs) but i did love it a really fun kind of uh, moment between them there Uh, let's get on to bullet point four because we talked a little bit about it already it's just frank getting his visitors um i really like this it actually does seem like a comedy sequence almost um i love this idea that obviously karen makes her way in there's no doubt she was going to get there it's on the news that's exactly how amy heard about it karen is so connected to frank of course if she hears something's going on um she's going to get down there but I love that she uses her credentials from Murdoch, Nelson and Page. You know, this is how we ended season three of Daredevil, that they were getting their practice back together. And this is the next show following us. And she says that she's using her credentials to get in the door. So it's nice to know, even though this is not a huge connection to the other show, it's nice to know that in the universe, Nelson, Murdoch and Page is now back together, isn't it? Ah, oh, definitely. Just definitely. Nice. It, was re- it was really good continuity from daredevil season three which i thought was really nice mm-hmm. to be honest um and yeah for me completely agree with you this was just the best moment in this episode i love it when uh, madani comes into the hospital room and you have karen amy and then madani all around frank's bed you know 
it works on a number of different levels because it is funny as well. Mm -hmm. You know, I love Madani's expression. You know, what are you doing here? What what laws are you breaking now? Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, this is the, the Frank Castle fan club. Really, really nicely done. And even Karen, when Amy walks in and she goes, I presume you're not a doctor. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. Just really, really nice. <laughs> yeah. But I also like the fact that it is three women that mirrors the three women also that Frank killed in the office. Oh, interesting. Uh, and you have these three women trying to help Frank, mm-hmm. you know, to clear his name, to reveal the truth to make him escape and i i really enjoyed that because it it feels like each one of those is representing the mistake of um or that frank feels or the guilt that he feels from killing and the three women in the office so i i thought this was really a great moment in the episode for a mm-hmm. number of different reasons and i think it's really good to see i agree with you this is an absolutely great scene with frank and karen and amy and madani i love that karen gets her opportunity to just have some time to sit and kind of clear the air with frank you know um remember they had quite a close-knit relationship in season two of punisher at the time she thought matt was dead she wasn't going to see matt murdoch at all um, their relationship had completely stalled, obviously, because of uh, him possibly being dead. And she was sort of taking up a relationship with Frank in season one of The Punisher. And he's now putting pay to that. He's saying to Karen, you need to go and get yourself back with stable Matt. He knows Matt's alive. He's telling her to take care of her life. And without him, really, you know, it's really important to him that she moves on. So this is, regardless of whatever happens about The Punisher in the future, it is them closing off their relationship in a really good way, showing that he really does care for her and needs her to make sure that she's taking care of herself and getting him, getting herself away from him. We also learn a little bit more about the backstory again, uh, a little bit about the reason why they'd all gone to the fair that day, that his family were all killed, was because he'd actually chosen that this was the final time he was going to be in the army. And everybody believed him when he said it. He had said it before, I believe, is what he's saying to his family. Yeah. But for this time, they all realized this is the first day of the rest of their lives. And that's the day that this all went down and all of his family were killed. And Deborah Ann Wall plays a great reaction to that part. She does great reaction in all the show. Uh, But that moment when you can see visibly her heart breaking for Frank as he's telling this story, it's a great moment to have between the two characters. And I think really important to have her in that scene as well. Because regardless of all of the other relationships he built up with Madani and with Amy and with Curtis, there's nobody else he can really talk like that with other than Karen. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, they really do have that special connection. And I think it's really nice to see that play out. I think one of the things as well here, we get Madani receiving a phone call from Billy to kind of rub in what's happened. Yes. Um, And I like the twist as well that after doing it, from the high of doing it, Billy feels hollow and, you know, begins to take it out on um, DeMont uh, mm-hmm. as she's kind of having none of it. It's like, you know, we did this and now we're going. And I think that's where, you know, ultimately I know that Billy's going to stay because he still feels he needs to get some form of fulfillment yeah. um, by crushing Frank Uh what he did, whilst it was great, now that it's past, 
the feeling's gone and he feels hollow. Mm-hmm. Whereas Dumont has this other vision of what they're going to do. And it seems as though that is uh, gradually cracking uh, in this episode. Absolutely. And it mirrors exactly the conversation that she was having with Madani last episode about what do you do when you put someone in prison, when somebody's been fixated on you? Does that cure your sense of justice? Uh, that's the whole conversation she's having with Madani last episode. And what we hear here is, even though DeMont has gone all the way along with Billy's plan to put Frank in hospital and to give him this moment where he thinks he's killed three innocent women, Billy doesn't feel any sense of justice, doesn't feel any sense of accomplishment in it. And she thought that would be it, they'd be able to achieve this and move on and exactly as you say john she's having absolutely none of it she's going so let me guess i still don't get what i want here i've been saying let's run for weeks now or for days now and you're saying to me once we accomplish this then we can go on the move and then we can start our new happy life and i still don't get to achieve that either you know um so billy's trying to rub it in with her he's trying to blame her almost for everything saying we did a really bad thing here and she's going no no i told you what to do you made these decisions. You're the one that has to live with them. I don't even know those people, so I'm not going to be involved at all in that. So very interesting kind of, I suppose, measured reaction from Dumont to Billy, knowing that he's trying to take everybody down with him and burn the world down like he will do, you know? No, absolutely. But ultimately, we have this escape then uh, where we see a lot of sleight of hand going on. Mm-hmm. We actually do see one of the sort of bent coppers coming to collect on the five million. Yeah. And so Frank is being taken down the stairs after the fire alarm has been set off by uh, Karen Page. Mm-hmm. Uh, Amy is the distraction uh, where they think that Frank is on the gurney on the trolley being taken out. But in fact, it's the knocked out copper. And then ultimately, Mahoney, I love that moment where he sees Karen Page in the corridor. And then uh, literally maybe a minute or a few moments later, he pulls off the sheet and and it's one of his officers on on the hospital trolley. Mm -hmm. And he goes into action. He, He really does. And manages to intercept Madani and actually foil this escape plan. He gets Frank into an ambulance, cuff him to uh, the the inside of the ambulance and is, I think, going to take him off to one of the local precincts. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, that's exactly the question. Where we've, where we've left the episode is Frank in the back of that uh, ambulance. We don't know exactly what's going to happen next, but what we do know is there's one of the characters who has also arrived to pay Frank a visit. Let's go on to our final bullet point for this episode, because there's a big lead into this, and it's a huge moment for the show, really, and for for the character. Um, Pilgrim's Great Loss. Um, We see early on in this episode just this aching Pilgrim starting to wake up and return to his senses after this heavy bender that he's been on for probably a day or so uh, if the description from the phone call is makes sense to me uh, i think it's about a day that he's just been completely in uncontactable uh, after the attack that's happened so you see him waking up he's totally covered in bruises he's got the phone call that comes in from eliza schultz from his home and um, he calls her back finally we get a call out. it is john pilgrim it's the pilgrim residence we've never heard the surname before so really good to finally get that 11 episodes into the series um but she tells pilgrim that his wife has been asking to get in contact with him she's just trying to establish the connection so that um 
eventually when she wakes up from her slumber that she'll be able to give a call to uh, to Pilgrim. Um, he's had all those weird dreams that we talked about last episode where his wife was giving the, him the permission to finish this final task and then come back to her. Um, what we do see, unfortunately, is as the camera pans back after the phone call, He's told to stay in his room by Eliza, but we see the bed in the room that Eliza's making the call from is empty. Um, So we know at that point that, unfortunately, the pilgrim's wife is gone. Well, and the hearse is just about to pull out from the driveway of Mm -hmm. the pilgrim's house. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, I suppose I was thinking, oh, well, that's a bit shady of Eliza. But then she actually goes to maybe tell him the news in person. Mm. I wonder if it's that or, you know... It comes across as that. But I love the fact here that John Pilgrim really senses the manipulation that is happening here from Eliza Schultz. You know, it's that moment where he kind of just cocks his head and goes, is this God giving me these instructions? Or effectively, he doesn't say it, but the the inference is, or is it you? Yeah. Uh, and I really, really like this. Um, and I, I thought, like, it, you know, it was, it was wrapped up in this huge huge moment and shock uh, for uh, John Pilgrim, you know, with the loss of his wife. Absolutely. And there is definitely that moment with Eliza where she's saying to him, you know, remember God used the children of Abraham to control him. (laughs) And that's what, that's exactly the reaction is, are you using my children now to control me? And she says very quickly to him, no, no, you're still serving God. And you will be able to finish this and come home to your children as she makes her escape out the door, which I just thought was really interesting. It's a great <laughs> move from Eliza Schultz. It's kind of shouting behind her saying, uh, no, no, you still have to finish your task and then you'll be able to go home. Right. I'm getting out of here in case you do attack me. He does seem to be stroking his gun quite a lot. Yeah. The- now, the intercutting between the scene where he's trashing his room and the conversation that's going on with Eliza Schultz, most of the time that there's no crossover between the two of them. But there are moments there that I was wondering whether he's stroking the gun while she's in the room or not, because he's been made go to go back to New York, rekindle old friendships uh, with uh, his former colleagues in the uh, drug industry, we'll say, kill a lot of people, basically, uh, all based on the fact that they are going to take care of his wife and get her back to full health, hopefully, or at least keep her alive until he can finish this mission. And then we find out that she's gone. So, we all had this conversation very early on in the season. The first time they had the conversation about the Schultz was, were they saying to him, you do the job and we have a treatment that we will give her? Or were they saying, we're going to give her the treatment, you go off and do the job and she will be well when you get back? So my my question now is, can they keep control of John Pilgrim now that his wife is gone? Was the deal that they struck, did it actually end off with her dying be- with some treatment that they could have given to her earlier, but they put off because John was off on the mission. So I'm wondering whether there's a little bit of duplicity here in John Pilgrim. We don't get to see much of that conversation. We just see him going mental in his hotel room. Yeah, I mean, I think there's loads of duplicity here um, from Eliza. You know, there's that old chestnut of, you know, your faith will be rewarded and your family will prosper. I, I think she says along those lines, or your sons will like Abraham. Yeah. And of course, his faith hasn't been rewarded because his wife has died, because they promised things that they couldn't and shouldn't have done on the basis of keeping faith. Yeah. Um, and I mean, you know, that to me is the interesting thing here. And I, I think, you know, there is that click in his mind as to 
well, what has it all been for? Because, you know, he's broken, he's bruised, he's in New York City, he has killed, he's reconnected in with his far-right former gang members that, you know, he left 12 years ago. And for what? Because whilst he's been away, his wife has died on the promise that maybe... I I, I always took it to be some kind of experimental Mm -hmm. uh, procedure because the Schultzes were so wealthy that they were able to to do this kind of procedure that, I don't know, had come in from Switzerland or, or something like that. Yeah. To, to, but it ultimately was experimental. Yeah, and I, I know they never promised to keep her alive, but they definitely were saying, just do this job, we'll take care of her experimental treatment. You know, there was very much this feeling of, we're, we'll do everything we can with her while you're away, and she'll definitely be here when you get back kind of thing. Do the job quickly. And then you'll get back to her kind of thing. Well, exactly. I mean, and again, like you say, that gun was kind of hovering. And the fact that Eliza was on her knees as well uh, initially, uh, you know, to get down to his level, because he was on the floor as well, sobbing from the the bad news that he received. Mm -hmm. But then he gradually raises himself up. She's still on her knees. And I just thought there was going to be a bullet to the head, to be honest. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, and then it's like, and then I got out of there yeah, exactly. uh, because she just had to go. The other thing as well, you know, on a complete side note, I was massively distracted by her huge vein uh, running down the side of her face. <laughs> it was massive. It was. It was. Well, she, she was press ups with her face. <laughs> she was under a lot of stress. Uh, this is the mother of uh, of Clark Kent, isn't that right? From Smallville. Certainly is. Yeah. All right, Smallville. Great. I don't think we ever mentioned it uh, throughout the series. The actress who plays Eliza Schultz was uh, was Clark Kent's mother on Smallville. Yeah, great. Um, I absolutely love Smallville, and she was fab as his mum. Excellent. One final beat in the episode really shows John Pilgrim arriving at the bedside of Frank Castle, but there's no bed in the room, obviously. <laughs> Amy's taking the bed away with the, with the police officer in it. So now we have it set up Pilgrim, a man who's lost everything, versus Frank Castle, a man who's lost everything, versus Billy Russo, a man who has clawed himself back twice from losing everything, as he was described by Dumont. So that's going to be an interesting set for the last two, two episodes. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I think they've set it up really well for the last two episodes. Mm-hmm. I still do think there's elements here that, you know, like with John Pilgrim here, um, like with Dumont, that I think you could have brought in earlier. Oh, absolutely. Uh, for sure. Absolutely. Um, but I do think it's a good setup for the last two hours of this show basically Mm -hmm. so yeah great stuff yeah so john do you defend the punisher season two episode 11 the abyss i do i give it four bulging eliza veins out (laughs) of five yes um it was either that or very distracting obviously it was yeah or it's either that or it's four high heels lab coats and hospital trolley out of five uh in 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 reference to Creepy Ed, I think. Um, <laughs> no, I really like this. I loved this episode. Uh, I think it really uh, sets up, as we've just said, for uh, the last two episodes. But I think, importantly, I do like um, the connections made here between uh, the three women in Frank's life and the three women that he's thinks he's taken the life of here. Mm-hmm. And that's really nice. It's, it's both touching. You know, you have those moments with him and Karen where they really connect... 
You have Amy wanting to rescue Frank in the same way that he rescued her um, because she knows that there's this five million bounty still on her head. And I suppose despite the inherent contradictions of Madani wanting to be a law enforcer but giving Frank a free reign, you know, she still wants to investigate um, and, and in some ways at least soften the blow of what Frank has actually done or people think he's done so i i really like that i love the moral center of mahoney i mean i think he is the one that comes out of this smelling of roses mm-hmm. ultimately and um, and you have this you know great um really tense moment between eliza and, and uh john pilgrim where you just wonder what he's gonna do here you know um is he happy being manipulated does he see it at all i think he does, he does yeah. um yeah. but you know, Eliza kind of getting wise to the fact that she kind of needs to hot tail it out of that uh, hotel room. Yep. Uh, really, really good. And I, I must say, this this movement of three people now uh, having lost everything, um, two of which I think in particular with Frank and with the Pilgrim, um, having on very similar kind of stories i think here mm-hmm. um it is really really good so yes i do defend this episode derek do you defend episode 11 of the punisher season two what no I absolutely love this episode of The Punisher. Um, really, really cool idea. Having the gang all get back together and that moment when Madani's phone rings when she's in the room with Karen and Amy and Frank and they're all kind of looking at each other going, why is everybody in this room? And then the phone rings and Billy's on the other end of the phone. It's like, oh, can we have a conference call here and have Curtis on another line and somebody else on another line? It just seems like this great moment when everybody is just barreling to the same location all doing their best to either save Frank, help Frank, or accuse Frank of something. <laughs> I think it's just quite interesting. And Frank just on his bed, wanting to turn over and cry about how bad this situation went, how cocky he was beforehand, and how broken he is now in this bed. And the only person in this whole Marvel Cinematic Universe that could help him out is Karen Page. I love that they brought her in for this episode. thought she was used so well. It's very difficult to get a crossover to work anymore with these shows especially if it's only a one-episode crossover. So it's great to have our Karen Page back in this episode and used so well. Loved that she had that she had the ability to use um, her access to the morgue to help out Madani, to help Frank with the kind of knowledge that she hadn't had of him in the past. Just a great setup there. And yes, I'm really interested to know what's going to happen with Mahoney. Is he going to get into the front of the car and then start sh- shots start ringing out around him from the man in black and then he releases Frank directly against him outside the hospital will something else go down you know it's it's really interesting to see what happens in the next episode but yes really interesting insightful episode great to hear what happened to dumont i wish that had been earlier in the season great to have this moment between john pilgrim and eliza schultz a question we had in the past was how complicit was eliza schultz in this was she just standing back and taking care of the kids it seems she is just as knowledgeable about everything that's going on with John Pilgrim as her husband is. She knows exactly what's going on and she knows exactly the buttons to push to get the Pilgrim to do their bidding as the Schultz family empire, I suppose. So uh, that's really interesting in itself. So can't wait for these last two episodes, definitely. Yeah, I know. It should be really, really fantastic. 
But with that, on to some feedback. Yeah, our first bit of feedback comes in on episode 11 through Facebook. You can head on over to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Defenders TV podcast and leave any thoughts or comments on any of the episodes of The Punisher through our spoiler post. Kristen Hal over on Facebook says, I think this is my favorite episode of the season. Not the most exciting, but the after effects that sit in everyone's mind throughout the episode following last week's shootout was brilliant. Mm-hmm. I'm absolutely disgusted with Krista, and it seems maybe she was the driving force of Billy's destruction into madness. Mm. Question mark. Seeing Karen again was done beautifully, and I loved how she didn't believe for a second that Frank was capable of killing those women. All in all, a fantastic episode. Looking forward to your breakdown. Thanks so much for that feedback, Chris, and always good to hear your feedback on this. Interesting thought there. Krista is the driving force behind the destruction of Billy's into madness, his brain messing up and going crazy. Chris had his theory very early on in the season that Krista was someone that is absolutely out there to manipulate Billy Russo. Um, has it just come to fruition in the episode and we just missed it? You know, we have that moment where Billy's lining up the bullets on the table, going, look at the bad thing we did today. Look, we killed these innocent women. And Krista Dumont is sitting back going, wasn't me. I didn't pull any triggers. I told you how to get him and you did it yourself. Is she building Billy's mind back up into basically doing her bidding in a way? Yeah, maybe. I mean, it's really interesting theory, Kristen, for sure, that she could be the puppeteer behind uh, Billy Russo, mm-hmm. ultimately. Yeah, because in many respects, I had kind of felt that she was more of a sympathetic character where this was all down to her own childhood trauma. Mm-hmm. Whereas she could just be using that to uh, to get Billy on side. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, really, really interesting. Thanks so much for that, Kristen. Really good to hear from you. Yeah, thank you so much, Kristen, for your thoughts. It's really good to get uh, your feedback on episode 11. Remember, fellow Defenders, to subscribe to any punishing or pacifist podcast catcher over at DefendersTVPodcast.com. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts, and of course, many, many more. Remember to rate us or leave a review to share the podcast is... To share the love. Absolutely. And as we said, we're on a big batch of recording our podcasts to get them out while we go on a little bit of a break. So that means you do have a bit more time from when we're recording anyway uh, to when you need to get your, your feedback in for episode 12 and 13. I'll be putting the spoiler posts up in our Facebook group in the next couple of days and you can pop in your thoughts about any of the episodes for the season. Uh, we have lots of time to get to that, get your thoughts in. So uh, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, excellent stuff. We'll be back with our review of The Punisher Season 2 episode 12 the penultimate episode of this season of the punisher and it's called collision course what a shockingly accurate name for what's happening (laughs) to all of the characters in this show absolutely perfect perfect name thanks so much for joining us fellow defenders talk to you next time as always fellow defenders thank you so much for listening it has been a pleasure discussing all things punishery uh, with you uh, today in the vein of johnny storm in fantastic four vein on And after that, uh, we'll speak with you again next time. Bye. That really did get to you, didn't it? It really did, yeah. (laughs) Well, I don't really have veins. I do. They just don't come to the surface in such shocking ways. Okay, that's the weirdest revelation we've ever had in the podcast. Bye now. Bye.
Welcome back, fellow Defenders, to Defenders TV Podcast, episode 217, where we are talking about The Punisher, season 2, episode 11, The Abyss. Robin! I am one of your hosts, John. I was doing Maid Marion, CIA director Marion. She wasn't even played in this by episode. Marion, played by Mario, played by Mary Mastantino. <laughs> Not even close. <laughs> Played by Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio. Played by Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio. Mastrantonio. <laughs> he has been that more brutal um, injustice. <laughs> he has been that more brutal, in my eyes, unjustified. 